We've been studying Isaiah, and I started to prepare for Isaiah 42, and the Lord, in my personal time, just overwhelmed me as I was reflecting on my relationship with God. I mean, I'm just... You know, in the Old Testament, if you, if you look in the Psalms, if you look in... Through the whole Testament, Old Testament, and even into some of the New Testament, there's always a time of reflection. The, the, the people of Israel would constantly need to be reminded of who God was. And so the way that they did that, their leaders would say, remember when God did this for you? Remember when you were facing that problem and, oh my goodness, all of a sudden God came through in a powerful and mighty way. Remember, remember, remember. And in our own lives as human beings, there are times when we need to take some time to remember for reflection, for our own well-being. And I'll flat out honest, okay, as a pastor... My whole focus for months is preparing for the Advent season. And that's not just decorating. I'm talking about planning services and sermons and Christmas Eve communion service, Christmas Eve service and then the Sunday communion service and all of that. And then I was so blessed last week because Jesse preached for me and I was relieved of having to preach. And you know what happened to me on Monday, the 2nd of January? A darkness settled in on my spirit. And I was like, wow, what in the world is this? And literally, I almost got T-boned in the parking lot at Fred Myers. Literally, literally, when the vehicles all stopped moving, I looked over to my left, and there was about an inch and a half between my vehicle and the back of the truck that was coming towards me. And I just, I was so distressed, and I, it was my fault. I, was, I did something stupid, and I got myself in a bad situation. And anyway, the bottom line is I pulled into the parking lot, a parking space, and I turned off my truck, and I just went, God, I can't do this. I just can't do this. And I, I literally, within moments, my phone rings. Who is it? Marie Fitz. <laughs> Hi, Pastor Bob. How's your day going? Shut up. <laughs> What's wrong? Just pray for me. I'm having a really, really, really tough time. I quite honestly think it's a spiritual attack. I really do. Could you just pray with me, please? Because I didn't even have it in me to pray. It was just... I was just seeing black everywhere I was going. And my sister, a fellow minister of the gospel, prayed me through the darkness and shined the light of Christ. And my, my day got better. Not great. Still a lot of stuff, but better. And then this whole week has been on again, off again, on again, off again. And literally, what was so crazy, I had a job ahead of me that I didn't want to do, and that was putting away Christmas. And I was in my private quiet time this morning, not this morning, this week, 
And there's a I have a, a devotional guide that every single day you pray the same prayer at the beginning and you pray the same prayer at the end. This devotional guide does it and then it's different readings in between. So the prayer at the beginning for every stinking day this week was, and I can't quote it because it's a full paragraph, but it had a word in it that I didn't recognize and I had to look it up. Kind of hard to have to find, to find words that you're trying to pray. So the very first time it came up, I, I went, oh, I don't know what that word is. I don't think I've ever heard of it before. So I looked it up. The word is indolence. I-N-D-O-L-E-N-C-E. Indolence. And it said, God, replace my indolence with your steadfast devotion. Do you know what indolence means? Laziness. See, I didn't want to do a job that was ahead of me. And every time I tried to motivate myself to do that job that was ahead of me, I found every other thing that needed to be done. And it literally came to Saturday. And it finally, it had to be done yesterday. And the Lord walk, walked me through all of this. And he, he like a good parent, just kind of guided me and helped me to get through my own humanness. And then, last night, he said, go to bed. Don't go over to that church and try to prepare anything. Just go to bed. Get up at 5. Get over there in the morning and we'll work on whatever you need to work on. I'm like, okay. And I told my wife, it was like 8.30 actually. I said, I'm going to bed. And um, I got up this morning even before the alarm went off at a quarter to 5. I was think, wide awake. It was like, I went, okay God, yes, I'll be up and I'll get over. Get over. So I got dressed, came over here. And the Lord said, I don't want you reading anything. I don't want you studying anything. I want you to be with me. Okay, so I pulled out the devotional book with that stupid word indolence in it. <laughs> and I began reading and praying, and I went through my quiet time. Oh, my father reminded me of how much he loves me, and how much he cherishes me, and how much I mean to him. And he wanted me to remember how much he means to me. And he took me through stuff. It took me through my life. And as I was doing this, I was getting so blessed. And the Lord said, speak that to your, to your people this morning. No, God, I've got to do Isaiah 40. I'm in charge. Speak this to your people. Uh, not real comfortable with this, God. I want you to be authentic with your people. And reveal things that you wouldn't necessarily want to reveal because it's important for them to hear their pastor say this. Okay, so, without further ado, here's my story. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I, I have pictures on the screen because this display is too small for you to see. And this display, if we all gathered around, you wouldn't see it anyway. And it's not stable. I didn't take the time to wire all the tables together and tape everything. So you can come up and look, but please don't touch. Because I already had it fall over once on me today. And it's very, these things are all cherished items in my life. These are very precious things to me that mean something to me, which you're going to hear about in just a few minutes. So if anything were to happen to them, I would be very sad. So I say all of that saying, thank you that the children aren't here. Because <laughs> I was very worried about the kids coming in. Literally, it's not stable. So come up and look if you want after the end of the service, but don't touch, please. Um, anyway, my story. 
My spiritual heritage. Um, for those of you who don't know, I was reared Roman Catholic. My mom was born into a home that didn't believe in God, or at least didn't practice a faith. But she was sent to Sunday school on the bus that came and picked up all the kids in the neighborhood. And so my mom went to a Dutch Reformed church as a child. And at the age of eight years old, my mom gave her heart to love to Lord Jesus Christ, made a confession. I don't know if she was ever baptized. Um, but I do know that she then, at the age of 18, met my father, who was a Roman Catholic. And he was a devout Roman Catholic. I mean, my father's family is so Roman Catholic that in the 1700s, my ancestor gave the land so that the church could be built. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Literally across the street from where the house used to be is now the church that's still there, built in the 1700s. It's still there today in, in New Jersey. And my ancestors, said, ancestors are buried in the churchyard. And I, I was with my father and my aunt and my siblings um, in, I don't remember what year it was, a number of years back when my grandmother died and my aunt turned to my dad and she said to her brother, she said, this is our ancestor five generations back, the one who started this land, who, who gave this property for the church. And he said to, she said to my father, and think about it, Bob, my father, I know your grandchildren, I know you, I know my mom and he, their mom. I knew my grandparents and I knew my great grandparents. That's five generations. And this guy is five generations away from us. He could have known us. It, it, it would have been possible. And it was just this, this whole idea of heritage and how powerful it is, who we are, and what has made us who we are. And knowing my roots and knowing why things well up inside of me is because it touches something deep inside of me that goes back to who I am as a human being and how I was reared as a human being. So in this picture, representing my heritage, you'll see a stained glass votive with a candle. And the reason that that's there is because I was reared in a home that honored God. Now, my dad would not have told you that he had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't know those words, but he was reared to know that God was real and that there was an answer he had to make to God and he would confess his sins by going to the priest and he would take communion on a regular basis. And so my dad, for all that he understood, knew God and he reared me in that faith. My mom joined my dad in the Catholic faith because she felt it was appropriate and right that a wife should worship with her husband. And so we were reared Roman Catholic. Now I know that there are some evangelicals who think Roman Catholics are not Christians. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, they worship Jesus Christ. And they take communion in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they baptize in the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit. And they use the same Bible. They just happen to have a few extra books. They're historical books. We don't accept them as canon, as scripture, but the Roman Catholics do. My point is this. I can walk into a building with stained glass and I sense the presence of God. There's something within me. I'm a contemplative by nature. And there's something within me that 
gets quiet in that space because that's where I recognize the presence of God. Now, there are some people who walk out into the woods and hear a babbling brook and sit there and they recognize God's presence. There are some who have a quiet corner in their home and that's where they recognize God's presence. I go to stained glass. That's where I sense the presence of God. Not that the glass is holy, not that the glass does anything, but it's just a way for me to acknowledge that there's something beyond me. And I submit my life to that. Now, having said that, there's also a frog in this picture. And you've heard the story. The scripture says, Isaiah 50:10, let him who walks in darkness and has no light Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And the acronym F-R-O-G stands for fully rely on God. And so for me, Isaiah 50.10 is I am a person who used to walk in darkness. But I came to light. God is light through Jesus Christ. And according to that verse in Isaiah 50, I trust in the name of the Lord and I rely on my God. As I told the kids this morning, my faith, my whole life is bound to the teachings of Jesus Christ. It is the foundational principle of my life. It is who I am. And if I were, if I am wrong and find out after I die that it's all been fake, I devoted my life to this. Of course, I have absolutely no question that it's not real. I know that I know that I know. And that's where this idea of trust and reliance comes. I can fall back and trust that God will take care of me. I don't have to fear. Now, as a Christian... A point came in my life very early. I got saved at the age of 16. Very, very early in my life, God called me to full-time ministry. I didn't understand what that was. I couldn't have told you the, the, the words, God called me to ministry, when I was 17 years old. But I knew, I, I used to say it this way, I don't want to just be Joe Average Christian who walks around on, in the regular day and goes to church once a week. I want to be doing something for God all the time. That was the way I was able to express my calling. Now, in this display, and this is in my office every day, in, as I'm having my devotion, sitting in my recliner, I'm looking, always looking right at this. This is a, a, a bronze statue that was presented to me by Northwest Nazarene University at my ordination. This is a statue that represents the calling of, of, of Peter by Jesus, saying, you will be a fisher of men. And let me read you the scripture that goes with that. Um, it's found in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And uh, it says, on one occasion, I'm reading from the very first verse down to about chapter 10. Uh, verse 10. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. See, as we read in the Psalms this morning, God is mighty over all of the earth. He can declare fish will be caught when there weren't any fish to be caught. And then it said, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus. So Jesus called Simon in the same way Jesus called Bob Sugden. And he said to you, to him, I have a job for you to do. And I need you to do what I ask you to do. And I said, yes. But as I walk in this calling, there is an ever-present fear. You see, I just read a card this morning that I found that I forgotten had even existed. It was a card I had sent to my dad during a time when my dad was really struggling emotionally, financially, physically. And I had written to him this lengthy note in the card, and I'm so thankful that I have it. I found it as we were going through my dad's and mom's things after they passed away. And in that note, I said to him, I am so proud to be your son. Every morning when I look in the mirror, I see you. Because I am your son. So that's a wonderful thing. But it's also a very frightening thing. Let me share why. This box that supports my calling, and it sits just like that in my office. The box is the foundation or the support to the statue. It was owned by my father. It had been made for him by my brother-in-law as a gift. When I found the box in my father's office after he died. Um, I contacted my brother-in-law because I knew the story that he had made it. And I said, do you desire to have this box back? And he said, no, I don't. And I said, would you be okay if I took it? Because it really speaks to me. He said, I would love for you to have it. I said, okay, it's locked. Do you happen to know where the key is? He went, no, haven't a clue. Okay. So I took the box. There was something in it, but I didn't know what it was. Um, Later on, going through drawers and stuff, I found a small key. I tried it. Fit. So I opened up the lock, opened up the box. This is the box that my dad had his sins hidden in. This is the box that he would have died had he known that I was looking in it. There were things in there that I was just shocked and ashamed. And I had hesitated to even say these words, but I'm doing this under obedience. 
I destroyed the contents of the box before anyone else in my house saw it. I'm not talking about my, my brothers, my, my wife and kids. I'm talking about my brothers and sisters. I didn't want anybody to know the dirt about my dad. But these were things that my dad apparently couldn't let go of, but brought great shame to him. And I destroyed them. There was no way anyone ever was going to get a hold of them. And I now, now have this box. And it sits in my office. And it is under my calling. And the reason it's there, because it speaks greatly to me. I am my father's son. Regardless of the fact that I am a sold out Christian and regardless of the fact that I walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, I am my father's son subject to the same temptations, subject to the same poor choices, subject to doing things that would not honor God, which possibly could even destroy my opportunity to minister in God's name. And as a result, I keep this box as an ever-present reminder to me that everyone who hears the words of Jesus and does them will be a wise man who built his house on the rock. You see, what you didn't see in that picture was there's the rock sitting in front of that box. As a reminder to me, do not allow the contents of the box to be part of who you are. Keep your focus on Jesus and him alone. Do not do anything that is out of accordance with the word of God. Because if you do, this box that you so greatly fear could destroy anything you could do for the kingdom of God. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Do not allow the box to become an issue in your life. Follow the calling I have for you. That's where I was crying this morning. <laughs> that was the most powerful, deep thing. My father looked at me and he said to me, my heavenly father, he said, I know your weaknesses, Bob, but my strength will be your strength. When you are weak, when you are tempted, when you feel that you can't, just turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Everyone who puts these things into practice is like the person who builds his house on a rock. Now, I'm a holiness preacher, and I have been taught and I have experienced sanctification. That's a theological term that means being set apart for God. Every Christian is expected to go through this process. Every Christian has it offered to them. We believe, in, in, as, the, as Wesleyans, in instantaneous sanctification, and we also believe in progressive sanctification, which means in one instant God can write all of the stuff that's wrong inside of us, the carnality, but at the same time, he takes his time with our growth process to become more and more and more and more Christ-like. And that is represented by this picture and the little soapstone coaster and the, 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 the rosary. And let me explain to you what this is. But before I do, let me read to you the scripture. 
that goes along with this. First Thessalonians, oh, I didn't change it. <laughs> At the bottom where it says Isaiah 50, it's supposed to say First Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, no. Is it 5? 24 and 20, 24 and 25. It's either 5, well, let me just open up the Bible and read it to you. That, that way we won't have to worry about it. I thought I, had, I thought I had changed that on the screen, but obviously I didn't. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Well, Lord, show it to me because I don't see it. Chapter 5, there it is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Hear those words. We are called to live holy, righteous, pure lives before God in this world. And I have a fear in my natural self that I can't do it. Because of my own tendencies, because of my own areas where I fall to temptation. But see, the, the calling is to be sanctified, not to make myself sanctified. The calling is God offers you the ability to be sanctified if you will submit to it. And it says, may God himself sanctify you completely. Soul, spirit, body. And keep you blameless until Jesus comes. He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You see, God makes me holy. God gives me the strength to stay holy. However, I am still a human being and I still am in a symbiotic relationship with God, which means He depends on me for part of it. And this stuff represents to me, and it's why it's in my office, because it's so special to me, represents to me the process of, of being more and more like Jesus. You see, that photo that's there, that is a, the, count, the cohort of people that I processed through with, for two years in Bible college in the biblical counseling program. And this picture was taken at a weekend prayer retreat during that, that uh, time of uh, that, that year that we were together. And we're standing in front of a tree. And that tree is unique. I wish you could... I don't know that you can even see it in the picture, but it literally grows up and then it turns 90 degrees and grows about four or five feet and then it turns 90 degrees and goes up again. And we have no idea why. I, I didn't know the history of that, but something in the history of that tree caused it to have to bend and then caused it to come back up again. And we saw great symbolism in that tree. That's why we took our picture in front of that tree. And we, I have another picture of one of the guys standing up on that horizontal piece. But this was the better picture for this. But this soapstone I found... Oh, never mind. Uh, that soapstone I found 
later and I sent it to my friends who were all part of the cohort. I bought one for all of us and sent it because it's to represent what this means to us. But this whole idea of, of um, sanctification comes for me that God is keeping me and helping me to be more and more Christ-like because of what I learned in that, pro, in that process right there. I mean, I've, I've been taught lots of things from lots of people, but this was life-changing for me. And one of the things that I learned was how to integrate who I am as a human being with who I am in Christ. My spirit man with my human, if you will. And that's why you see a rosary sitting there. Now, you'll notice if you look at this rosary that there isn't a crucifix on it. It's just a cross. And in the, in the center part where the, the round meets the one that hangs down, there's usually a little medallion, and it's the, the, the Blessed Virgin. I intentionally found a rosary that does not have that because I didn't, I don't want to have that part of the Catholicism in my, in my faith. This is, but this is a way for me in my personal prayer time with God to blend my heritage and my spirituality. And so as I pray every single day when I gather before God, every time I get before God, I take out my rosary and the very first prayer I pray is, um, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of saints, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Every time I get before God, I speak my belief. Then I begin to pray, Our Father. Then after the Our Father, I pray three in a row, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, am I a sinner? Yes. Are my sins forgiven? Yes. I believe in the remission of sins. I've already stated that in my prayer. But as I sit before God and I say, have mercy on me, O God, because I'm a sinner, it's an acknowledgement that there's a weakness in my humanity that I can fall at any time. Have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. Give me grace. Give me your strength. Help me, Lord God. And then I finish that cycle with what's called the lesser doxology. It's Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, it is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And then I start the cycle again. Our Father, Lord, Je Lord Jesus, have grace on me and mercy. I'm, help me, I'm a sinner. And then glory be to the Father. And then I finish going through the circle, and I get to the cross again, and I say the Nicene Creed. I cannot quote it to you because I've only been working on the Nicene Creed for memorization for about a month. Okay, but... Lord willing, someday I will be able to quote the Nicene Creed from memory. Why do I do this? Because it helps me to focus and center on God when it's time for me to be in God's presence. And I learned that when I went to Bible college. I had never heard of centering prayer. I had never heard that you can actually focus yourself on God. That's what I learned 
on how to integrate my humanity, my spirituality, and become a man who's desperately in love with God, and to not sit there and go, oh God, I'm so distracted, I'm so distracted, I'm so distracted. Well, stop being distracted. Focus. Center in. Once I've done that, then I open his word. Then I read the spiritual writings. Then I pray for you. Then I pray for our community. Then I pray for me. Then I just sit quietly. And I reflect if I need to, or I just sit quietly. And then I close in prayer. And that's my daily devotion. That's when I get before God. But it starts with centering. And the reason it's important for me is because there's the ever-present danger of my humanity getting in the way of my spirituality. And I need to say, God, I submit this to you. It is yours. You are the one that sanctifies me. You are the one that keeps me holy. But I have to keep myself focused on you. My goal. What is my goal? I want to be with Jesus. That's my goal. But more so, I want to be like that tree. This is the, this was so cool that I found this at a gift shop in Colorado Springs. You see how that tree bends a little bit and then kind of goes back up? That's not as pronounced as the real tree. I mean, the real tree is literally 90 degree and 90 degree, literally. But this was so close as a representation. And so I keep it ever before me in my office as a reminder. This is my goal. This is my goal. What is my goal? I want to finish well. I don't want to just make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want God to look at me with tears welling up, saying, well done. You did what I asked, and I'm so proud of you. Philippians chapter 3. Powerful, powerful, powerful passage. Philippians chapter 3. Let me read it to you. I believe it starts around 7. Yeah, verse 7. And it goes on to the end. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if any, if, if, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me. 
Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And their glory is their shame. With minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. At the beginning of this service, we talked about the fact that God is almighty and over all. We sang about who he was. We worshipped him and we praised him. And then we closed our time of singing with, let the weight of your glory fall on us. Let the truth of your kingdom reign in us. Let the life of the river of God come into us. Then we declared, I need thee every hour. Most holy one, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And now I have spent the last 36 and a half minutes telling you about my relationship with my father. And I'm not excited about the fact that I have to put this out for the world to hear, but it is what it is. I want you to be genuine and real and authentic as you go into your own world this week. And I'm not telling you to go talk with any other human being. I'm telling you to get on your face before God himself and reflect and remember who is he? What does he mean to you? Do you have a vital, real, genuine relationship with God? If not, do something about it. Are you walking holy, righteous, pure, if not, confess your sin, repent, and allow by faith the Holy Spirit of God through his power to sanctify you wholly. And from that point on, once you've made sure that everything's good and everything's right and you don't have anything between you and God that has to be confessed, then walk in his teachings. Be Christ-like through his power. God, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But I walk in the power of the Holy One. I don't have to do it in my own strength. I walk in his power. And so I encourage you, take time this week to be real. And make sure everything's right between you and God. Don't allow the enemy to distract you. Take time. If it means saying, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. If you have to just say that prayer just to get yourself focused on God, then so be it. Whatever it takes for you to get in tune and focus with God's presence and then make sure you don't leave until everything is right. And then walk in a newness of power as you walk into this new year.